With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this uh, Tuesday, January 24th. It's one minute past 10 p.m. Eastern, and the Montreal Canadiens and the Boston Bruins played their first game versus each other this season. And the team that is the best team in the National Hockey League, the Boston Bruins, showed why. Because tonight they didn't even play their best game, and the Montreal Canadiens gave it everything they have. Got to give the Canadiens a lot of credit, considering the amount of players that they have out of the lineup and considering where the two organizations are right now. The Canadiens uh, played the Bruins tough. As a matter of fact, they were up by a score of one to nothing in the game. What in the world is going on here? A little bit of echo, right? They were uh, uh, up by a score of one to nothing in the game, and then Boston tied it up in period number two. It was Kirby Dock that opened the scoring for the Canadiens. Nine minutes and 11 seconds in period number two on the power play. Taylor Hall tied it up on the power play five minutes later. And then uh, David Krejci gave the Boston Bruins the lead in period number three, deflecting a puck. Kirby Dock bounced on a loose puck. He was able to tie it at two. But then the game-winning goal goes to captain Patrice Bergeron with two minutes and 55 seconds left in regulation. He scores his 18th of the season. You know, Nick Suzuki had done quite a number on Patrice Bergeron in the face-off circle tonight. As a matter of fact, he won eight of eight draws in period number one. But in period number three, the one that was the big one, 
Once again, Bergeron wins that draw, and uh, Pasternak to Marchand, he gets the puck to the net, and it bounces right in front of Patrice Bergeron, who's able to bury it past the Samuel Montembeau, who once again played a very, very good game. And then in the empty net, David Pasternak seals the deal for the Bruins. They win by a score of 4-2. to two. Pasternak, before scoring that goal in the empty net, had three assists in the hockey game, so he finishes his night with one goal and three assists. And for the Canadians, of course, Kirby Doc scored both goals on the night, and Doc is looking very, very good. Hello, Sick Army. I hope you are well. George Larac is usually our contributor on Thursday nights, but you know what? I figure the Canadians and the Bruins, what a rivalry. And in an ideal world, I'm thinking of who could have been the best people to join me tonight. George was one name that came to mind. My buddy Knuckles Nyland, of course, who played for both organizations and being a Boston boy, he was another name that came to mind. But, you know, Knuckles is vacationing in Hawaii. And I said, I'm not going to bother him. Mind you, George got him on the air earlier today at BPM Sports Radio. George Larac, what's going on? Man, I did bother. To, uh, I did bother. Uh... I had to bother Knuckles when he was in Hawaii. I know it was 7 in the morning when I talked to him. And uh, I wanted to talk to him because I wanted him to talk about the rivalry, be, rivalry between Montreal and uh, the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Today, it's not, today it's not the same, uh, Tony. It's not the same today. Uh, people are talking to one another in the warm-up. Uh, Dadanov, uh, like, I think he, he kind of tripped someone and he helped him up. Like, he said he was sorry. Yeah. It's not like it's not like it used to be, no. man. Before it, it was much more physical, and Knuckles was telling us some story about it. Uh, yeah. It was it was insane, man. But hockey was more popular back then. You're right about that. Uh, the sick podcast brought to you in part by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs and the Bruins had a real rivalry, which uh, you know uh, the rivalry was at its best in the '70s. It went a notch down in the '80s. It went uh, maybe two notches down in the 90s or a notch down. Uh, and uh, it was not bad in the 2000s and 2s and 2004s. The Canadians and the Bruins ended up playing each other in the playoffs, but it was never the way it was in the 70s. The uh, Sick Podcast is also brought, also brought to you in part by 8.6 Beer, intense by nature of the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And it's brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, uh, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. George, you're right. You know, I was kidding about bothering, but I thought about it, you know, if you're going to take like a 16 or 17-hour flight to go to Hawaii, whatever it is, if you're going to call someone when they're in Hawaii, you might as well call them at 7 a.m. Because if you're going to call them at around 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. or noon or or in the afternoon, they're, 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 chances are they're going to be at the beach, right? So it's not that bad that you call them at 7 a.m. Mind you, I'm the type that usually likes to sleep in on vacation. I have a feeling Knuckles is an early riser, though. Anyway, Tony, with all the energy drink that you're drinking, you're not going to sleep tonight. Are you kidding me? I, you know what? I, uh, well, you know, this is, uh, this is beer, actually. It's uh, India Pale Lager. It's uh, 7%. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, to tell you the truth, I don't really need energy drinks to give me energy, George. You're either born with it or you're not. And luckily, <laughs> I, uh, I have it. I got to tell you something, George. A lot of people watching us on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, on Twitter Live, uh, you know, probably they're, they're, they're teens. Probably they're in their 20s, and they probably don't remember this Bruins rivalry. In the 70s, in 1971, this is arguably the greatest Montreal Canadiens um, 
playoff series ever. The Boston Bruins, who had, I don't know how many players on their team that had scored, you know, over 50 goals and over 40 goals. And I don't know how many players on their team that had scored over 90 points and 100 points and 120. And the cool. Boston Bruins, you know, had Phil Esposito and they had the great Bobby Orr and, and the list goes on and on. The Boston Bruins finished first overall in the league that year. And they played the Montreal Canadiens in round one with a rookie by the name of Ken Dryden. And um, there was a game in that series that the Montreal Canadiens were down at one point late in the second by a score of five to one. And the Canadians came back to win that hockey game seven to five. Is it the one that Don Cherry was behind the bench? Is it this one? No, the one that Don Cherry was behind the bench that you're referring to. That was the 1979 too many men on the ice at the old Montreal Forum versus okay. the Habs. This series, Game 7, was played in Boston. Uh, once again, a game the Canadians won. They won the series in seven games versus the Bruins, and that was one of their greatest upsets en route to winning the Stanley Cup that year when they eliminated the Chicago Blackhawks in Game 7 in Chicago by a score of 3-2, to two. And that's the famous Dryden save off of Pappen. And it's a big game by the pocket rocket, Henri Richard, who scored two goals in that hockey game. And I believe Jacques Lemaire scored a goal in between the blue and the red line, uh, which I think was on Tony Esposito, if memory serves me well. I'm just going now back in history because I wasn't even born in 71, right? But I, I, I watched, I mean, I watch a lot of videos and I do a lot of reading. And so I was born in 72 and then... You know, the Canadians won the Cup in 71. They won again in 73, 76, 77, 78, 79. And I'm trying to remember the year right now. I don't know if it was 77 or 78, but Mike Milbury told Gila Fleur that he was going to tear his head off. And, um, and uh, you know, some of his teammates, LaFleur's teammates, Robinson and Lupier and Bouchard and stuff like that said, don't worry about it. We got your back. Lafleur in that series um, whipped a puck at Milbury's head just to try and scare him. And, uh, you know, I think the, the Canadians ended up sweeping the Boston Bruins four games to nothing. And uh, in game four, when the Bruins said they were going to take their head off, Lafleur was rather tentative yeah. to start the game. But then I, I think he ended up finishing with like either two goals and an assist or two goals and two assists anyway. Um, and then later on in the 80s, I mean, Chris Nyland hammers Terry O'Reilly with one shot. Nyland is beating up on all the Boston Bruins. There's the brawl at the Boston Garden where he's got to go through the Bruins bench to get to the locker room. He takes a swat at Ken Lindsman. Everyone's fighting. The fights actually end up in the hallway of the Boston Garden. And then there was that. And then the Bruins end up calling up Jay Miller, George. At one point, they figure they finally find their guy who can give it to Chris Nyland. And Miller does well. And then the Canadians at that point call up John Cordick. In the 1986 playoffs, Cordick gives it to Miller at the Montreal Forum. The Canadians oh. beat the Boston Bruins three games to nothing. They win the Stanley Cup in 86. And then Cordick and Miller end up having like a huge feud for the next several years. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then the Boston Bruins at one point, was it in, uh, 
I'm trying to remember what year. I think it may have been 88 or 89. No, it was 88, I believe. I think it was 88 the, because 89 Kings went to the Stanley Cup final. In 88, I believe, I think the Bruins beat the Canadians in the playoffs for the first time in like 47 years or something. And then they beat them in the early 90s as well several times with Reggie Lemelin in goal. He used to take off his helmet. And he used to give the little fist bump with his helmet. I used to be a young, big Montreal Canadiens fan. He used to drive me crazy. I used to start going nuts. And then Rennie Rancourt used to sing the, you know, the, uh, the Star Spangled Banner in Boston. And he used to like give the fist pumps. Let's go get them. Let's go get them. And I hated that guy, George. I hated him. That was, George, that was the rivalry. You're pretty good. That was a good resume, man. That's, uh, that's impressive, Tony. You could do it all. Yeah, I am a better lover than a sports radio host and a better podcaster, by the way. I'm better than yes. yes. says who, man. <laughs> okay. A valiant effort by the Canadians. Eh? A valiant effort by the Canadians. First and foremost, uh, let's talk about Kirby Doc. You know, you know, Tony, this game, a lot of us thought they were going to get blown away. You're playing the best team in the NHL that have five reg regula regulation loss. Montreal, everybody's hurt. And now you're playing the Bruce. They have all the reason to get pummeled. And at one point in the game, in the third, I thought the Canadian was going to win. That team is so impressive. When you think they're going to get killed, they surprise us. And until the end, I thought they had a chance. It's unreal. I guess the Boston Bruins, the best team in the NHL. Um, it's impressive, man. It's impressive. And I'm glad. And you know what? If the team is going to lose, you want them to lose like that way. You want them to lose with the young players learning, getting better, and taking charge, having more ice time, and having more opportunity. And Doc, now, you know, we know on the wing with Suzuki and Caulfield, he had success. Now back to center, learning fast, contributing. He's not the same player as he was in Chicago. And uh, clearly, he's part of uh, the, you know, nuclear, like, group that you want to keep together and form players around that, the, uh, around George, these guys. I tweeted this to think there were fans that didn't think it was worth trading Romanov to the Islanders so the Canadians, in the end, could end up getting Doc from Chicago. And I know some will say, well, they didn't have to trade Romanov. Well, I mean, they traded him for picks. They ended up taking picks and trading him for Doc. But another one of the reasons why they traded Romanov, they had so much depth on left defense. And one of them was Arbor Jackai. They really thought Arbor Jackai could replace Romanov. You had Gouley coming up, of course. You had Harris. And you know what? They were right. I mean, yeah. I, know, I, I know four, five months, six months, seven months doesn't make a trade, but they're looking good right now. Well, you know, Tony, there's one thing, though. I don't think nobody expected, even the Canadian that. Jack I was going to play Montreal this year. I agree. So the fact that he made it makes it so much easier to, to, to look at that trade and say, okay, the physical aspect of Romanov, well, we have it with Jack I, And on top of that, Jack I could drop the glove and bring a dimension that Romanov couldn't. If Romanov's there, there's no Jack I. Even if Jack I is in training camp and he does good, there's no spots for him. But it ends up well because... You know, he's, he's having his best season in the NHL with the Islanders. He's going to beat his uh, career point. They needed a D-man. And we need a second winger. And uh, he's filling the void pretty good. And uh, we'll see uh, what's going to happen if uh, Montreal get, you know, a pick in the top three. 
In period number one, it was scoreless. And Samuel Montembeau made three saves that really caught my attention. With the Bruins on the penalty kill, they had two amazing chances. One was Zaka, who stripped Michael Matheson, was able to get by Kirby Doc. Montembeau makes a big save and close. Another one is Lindholm pinching. I think he gets a drop pass from Coyle. Uh, and uh, and uh, Montembeau makes a big save. And another one is a three-way passing play with Frederick, like just two feet from the net. And he takes, it's like a bang-bang play. And Montembeau, you know what I really loved about Montembeau tonight, besides the fact there's a lot to love in yeah. the last little while here? As a matter of fact, do we have some stats before this game on Samuel Montembeau, Agnello and Sammy and Master Control, if you can bring them up? Uh, Samuel Montembeau, since January 9th, eight games. First, 239 saves. First, four wins. Second. And by the way, I think the eight games, I think it's his goals against average. Uh, minutes played, second. Save percentage, fifth. I mean, those were his stats before tonight's game since January 9th. But you know where he looked really good, George? He looked really good in reading what was going to happen. Like that pass to Frederick, he read it. The Bruins were on a power play, um, I think in period number two, and he read the pass going to Pasternak, and he robbed Pasternak. He was really good, George, and if it wasn't for Montembeau in period number one, the Bruins could have been up by a couple of goals. The only real chance the Canadians had I think Alex Belzil hit the crossbar, but other than that, I thought the Bruins could have been up by a couple. You know, about two months ago or a month and a half ago, Montabo was doing very, very good, and there was that debate about who's number one and number two. And then we heard Martin St. Louis in a press conference saying that Jake Allen is our number one, and we know they signed him an extension and the amount of money that they gave him anyway. He said that he reiterated the fact that he was number one, even though the amount of what did stretch. So they put Allen in net and they put him a couple games in a row and, you know, and he got back his groove a bit. And Montembeau, that wasn't playing for a long time, he came back and it was against Vancouver that he gave, it, he gave, he gave like six goals. The thing is, is that I hope that now that Montreal, they see what they have in him and they're not going to do that again. Because what you could see is that it's not fair for Montabo for as well as he's been playing that if Allen, when Allen comes back healthy, you can't push Montabo aside like you did a month and a half ago and make him wait every 10, 15 games before he plays one. Unless, you made, now, the, but unless you made the decision that you're going to end up trading Jake Allen. Yeah, yeah. But because if you're going to trade him, you might as well play him. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. But, you know, Montabo, you see that the more that he plays, the better that he is. And that's why we have to give him a true chance because we all know with his age, he has a better future, you know, with the team right now than, you know, someone that is much older. You know, like, that's why when I look at all this, we have to give him a chance because he's young. The core of young guys on this team are young. They're going to be together. And if Motabu keeps going like this, I never thought I was going to tell at the end of the year, but he can work himself into being a number one. Goaltending position takes here to mature, as you know. Where are you talking and to me from? The, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Ville-Marie title or what? What's the story here? It sounds like, uh, where are you talking to me from? 
Home, home, you don't, you don't hear me good? Do I? I don't hear you good. My God. Say, who told me, Kroda? Your microphone is where exactly? You have a micer. On my ears. Where did you do? Get rid of Where are you going with those things? You don't like these things? Man, no, it's pas bon, ça. The mic for you next time. C'est pas bon, ça. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, you know, Montembeau's story is amazing. Everybody knows that. Uh, I've been mentioning for the last little while here, when I saw him play his first game with the Canadians, I didn't think he was an NHL goalie. Yeah, not going to lie to you. thought he was an AHL goalie. And then all of a sudden, he went from an AHL goalie to an NHL 3, to an NHL yeah. 2B, to an NHL 2A. And in the last month, he's playing like a 1. It doesn't mean he is. Having said that, let's also try and be as realistic as possible. It's not to take anything away from him. I hope that he becomes a goalie for the rest of his career who is as good as his last month has been. That's my hope for him. But when you're playing and everyone knows you're not going to make the playoffs and you have injuries and whatever happens, happens. As tough as it is, it's actually easier. If that makes any sense to you, right? He's playing with house money right now. No one expects him to win. No one expects him to do well. No one expects the Canadians to win. And the players are playing with no pressure whatsoever. Sometimes it's easier to kind of play better that way. Yeah, you're right that it is better. He has less pressure. But again, he wants to show everyone that he could be the... Because both goalies know that Montreal is shopping for goaltending for the future. And right now, you know how much it's like his confidence, which was skyrocketed before. You know why when it went even higher, Tony? Mm. In a press conference, like after 41 games that can't use did, and what did he say? Montembeau is not going anywhere. When he said that... Yeah, but George, who thought that Montembeau was going somewhere? Why well, would you want to trade Samuel Montembeau? He's young, he's in his 20s, there's a progression, he's getting better, he's cheap, yeah. and he's from here. Who in their yeah. right mind thought they were trading him? Again, it's not about trading. When he said he's not going anywhere, I didn't say they was going to trade him because, listen, if Montembeau do, does good, you need him for a future. If he doesn't do good, you're not going to be able to trade him anyway. So when he said that, Tony, it's not about training. When he said that, the way he said it, Montamo understood. He pretty much said Montamo is part of the future of this team. And for him, the way that he was playing, to get a vote of confidence like this from a GM, when he was on limbo and we didn't know if he was going to stay with the team, man, it's so encouraging. And he's going to keep playing the way that he's playing right now. Because you have the vote of confidence of his GM. All right. Okay. Um, what a team, though, the Bruins, though. Eh? Man, that team, like, I know the Mitchell Miller thing was stupid. It was very stupid. That's outside of hockey. To play hockey, that team, the way they're built, that captain, Bergeron, how he keeps everyone in line. Their mission, the way that they play, the way that they are, it's incredible. Like, we don't talk. We, I know we hate them. That's why we don't talk about the Bruins much. They have five regulation loss, man, in 46 games. That's incredible. Like, Lannis Homer couldn't stop a beach ball in Buffalo. Now he's like better than Tuka Rast. 
Like it's unbelievable. You know, you know, you know why though, right? He also has a lot of great two hundred foot players playing in front of him. Of course, Patrice Bergeron is a great two hundred foot player. David Krejci is a great two hundred foot player. Uh, Brad Marchand has become a great two hundred foot player. The Bruins play the right way, and I was talking about this with Jean Charles earlier this evening on GC at on TVA Sports Television that. There's no one way to build a great team and a contending team, but the Boston Bruins have been amazing for the last 12 years. Yeah. They won the cup in 2011. They've lost two finals since, one to Chicago in six, one to St. Louis in seven. With a little bit of luck, they could probably win another one. Mind you, some will say they had a little bit of luck in winning theirs because they beat the Canadians in double overtime in Game 7 in Round 1, the year they went on to win the Cup. But, you know, some teams, at one point after five years, six years, seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years, they got to restart all over again. And the Bruins, they don't have to. And once again, it's 12 years now, and think of the way they did it. Tim Thomas, unrestricted free agent. Linus Olmark, unrestricted free agent, Tuka Rask, acquired by for Andrew Raycroft. And I'm going through the goalies. Now I'm going to get to the defense. Brandon Carlo, drafted. Charlie McAvoy, drafted. McAvoy drafted the year Yolevi went fifth to Vancouver. The Canadians drafted Sergeyev at nine. McAvoy went to Boston at 14. He's the, he's the best defenseman of that draft year. The deepest draft in the history of hockey, the 2003 draft, the Bruins drafted Bergeron 45th. He's the best player from that draft year. David Pasternak was drafted 25th. Um, Lucic was drafted 50th. Marshawn was drafted 71st. Krejci, I think, was drafted 40-something, if memory serves me well, or I could be wrong. Uh they end up drafting Phil Kessel at five, but then they end up trading him for two first-round picks, which they end up getting Tyler Segay and Dougie Hamilton. And, you know, there's a couple of trades that went bad and a couple of draft picks that went bad here and there. But for the most part, I mean, what I just said, they unrestricted free agent, they signed Mark Savard, they signed Zdeno Chara. Zdeno Chara, for me, is one of the greatest unrestricted free agent signings in the history of hockey for what he brought to the Bruins at $7.5 million and as the amount of time that he stayed with them and captaining them and winning a Stanley Cup, amazing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, I know he's the enemy number one in Montreal for what happened with Pacioretty, but, you know, uh, we have to give him respect. To play for that long in the league when you're this big, this tall, to have brought dealership uh, Stanley Cup, you know, he's a future Hall of Fame, remarkable career. You know, a lot of people are talking about mental health right now, and you're playing with my mental health with this sound. Uh, next week, I am personally delivering a microphone to you, okay? I'm personally delivering the microphone, all right? <laughs> I want to mention one more thing about the Bruins, and we're going to talk. Joe Haggerty is going to join me from Boston Hockey now. I'm going to talk to him about the Bruins. So anyway, I'll bring it up with Joe Haggerty. I'm going to bring up the Canadians. I'm going to bring up the Bruins coaches that they've had as well. Uh, who caught your eye besides Kirby Doc, of course, for the Canadians? Is there anybody who caught your eye? Well, uh, you know, we talk about Motambo, right? So, but you know what? I like the kids' line. 
the kids line, you know, the way that they're playing, they play with no fear today. They brought awesome energy. I loved it. I love seeing those three guys together. Uh, you know, they're playing so hard. They want to stay there. They want to deserve that. They, they belong there. And, and it's incredible because you want to see work ethic. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you see veterans that are hurt, right, you call up guys from the minors to fill in. But the thing is, these guys, it's like, it's more than a tryout for them. It's survival. They try harder than a veteran that hurt. And sometimes that's why they could surprise team because they're always on the pedal, like, and they're going yeah. all out. Harvey Pernard is, against... is a very likable kid, George. Yeah. Yeah, he's he, a, he's very, he, he leaves it all like he gives you everything he has, and uh, you know there's other like I mean I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say something that all um, everybody knows already. It's very very obvious. But Mike Hoffman, my God, man, I don't I don't know how you look in the mirror the next day and you say you know I earned my money, boo. Like I yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. It's you know like it's gonna be God. tough because all these veteran guys they were hoping. To, that their value was going to go up so they could get something in return at the deadline is just dead. Um, he, he has another year in his contract too. They're stuck with him. He's not going anywhere. Unless they buy him out this summer. But it, it's, this is it. You know, once you take a veteran guy like him and the other guys up and down and, you know, they play the healthy scratch, they come back, healthy scratch, they come back. They have no more interest. For them, it's like it, it's done. They're not going anywhere. Uh, they decided that he's going to be part of a rotation, playing, not playing, and not that he deserves to play every game. But you know, players like that with frustration, you're not going to get the best out of them. Okay. Um, one question Are you tired or what? You look like you just ran a marathon. Are you fasting on your eighth day again, or did you? Uh... <laughs> You look like you're gonna pass out, man. What's it? Put some sugar in you or something. Eat a steak. Do something. Yeah, you know, I stay up for you, but you know. I, I know that. I know that. I know that. I, I know. I know that you wake up very, very early, and I know that you actually stay up for me. So I, I you know what? I want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll talk to you soon because uh, Joe Haggerty from Boston Hockey now is going to join me in a couple of minutes. Thanks for joining me, George. I'll talk to you again in about a week. Okay, buddy. Okay, I'll get a mic. All right. I'll send you the mic. I'm going to personally deliver it. That and a snake. All right. Okay. George Larac from BPM Sports. What a guy. This guy, this this guy's a piece of work. All right. Okay. Marinero with a a shout out to uh, sportbuffshop.com. You can use code SICK10 for 10% off off all of their items, including SICK merchandise, right? Look at this one. This one here is game day. By the way, we also have a SICK Army t-shirt that's out there right now, and you can shop all your sports-licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, and T-shirts of your favorite teams from all major leagues. All right, there you have it. I want to let you know that tonight, if the calls are coming in, we might get to one or two at one 585 sick That's one 585 It is a toll-free number. As soon as in yellow and Sammy tell me that... Uh, uh, Joe Haggerty is uh, joining us. I'm going to uh, I'm going to put them in contact. Why don't I do this? As a matter of fact, I should have thought about this before. Uh, let me grab the phone here, okay, and let me uh, send them Joe Haggerty's number. 
just in case they're trying to get a hold of him and uh, they haven't been able to get a hold of them. All right, okay, Joe Haggerty, and there's his number. That's it. So now they're going to. Uh, by the way, I had my phone. Like, I wonder if you guys saw his number as I, as I was uh, typing his number. I don't think you were. We'll get to some of your questions, and I'm going to answer them. All right. Uh, why don't we do that, Sammy? If you can bring up some of the questions. Here we go. Honestly, Tony, Monty should start as much as possible. Send Allen out of town. MGV. MGV, I have no problem with what you're saying. No problem. You want to trade Jake Allen? I'm for it. We can trade Jake Allen. I don't think the Canadians wanted to trade Jake Allen. I think they extended his contract for a couple of years because they thought Caden Primo is not going to be ready. They weren't sure about Montembeau. This guy can buy some time for a couple of years. He can make the Canadians compete. Okay? Things have changed. Montembeau stepped up. Let's say you want to trade Jake Allen. To trade Allen and to get as much as you can, you know we're not going to trade Montembeau. They're not going to trade him. You got to play him. So the trade deadline is in a month and a half, and uh, even less than a month and a half, even less than a month and a half, just over five weeks away or whatever it is. Uh, no, or is it? Is uh, Yeah, about five weeks away. So you know what? When Jake Allen comes back, play him. Hopefully, Jake Allen is is going to be pumped up because he's going to say, you know what, Montembeau was amazing while I was out, and you know what, let me step up as well. He steps up. He gets in some great performances. His value goes up, and then you can get more from him. You know, I don't think they'll be able to get a first-round pick. At one point, I thought that they could. Now, I don't think they can. But if he ends up playing five, six, seven games before the deadline and he is playing the way Montembeau has been playing in the last month, whether or not he can still elevate like that, I mean, then his value would, you know, obviously increase. More questions. Anderson is a must trade, playing some good hockey, and we should get a first rounder. Playing some good hockey lately? Yes. You're supposed to trade when your players are playing good hockey. That's true, too. But the fear, if you trade Anderson, is that you have some pretty skilled players and you need to surround them with some bigger bodies, and Anderson would be that bigger body. Now, you can say, you know, you got to use that big body. He has in the last week since we called him out, George and I, and um, you got to give him credit. We called him out. I thought we were very fair to call him out. I thought he was uh, winging it. Uh, but ever since we called him out, he's been playing really good hockey for the Canadians, so. Um, you know what? When you're playing really good hockey, I think you got to mention it too. We have our guy from Boston Hockey now. I believe, uh, I think he's debuting on the Sick Podcast. I don't think he's been on before. I could be wrong. And if he was, it was more than a year ago for sure. Why don't we bring on Joe Haggerty? Joe, how are you? Tony, what's going on? This is my first. Good. This is my first time on. You are correct. Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a little bit dark. I would imagine you're in your car, but you gave me a heads up that you would be. Why don't you do this, though? Can you put your phone in landscape mode so that um, it'll be better that way? Just turn it over a little bit. There we go. That's better. But uh, you, you okay, go, that's Tony. better. That's better. You see? Very, very good. Where are you now? I'm in my driveway in the car. <laughs> my kids are sleeping. So I can't be doing anything. Uh, I tend to get really loud when I'm uh, doing these uh, podcasts, radio, TV things, and I wake up the kids. So I, my wife told me I need to go to the car to do them. Oh, oh, this is the great. This is like probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Really, eh? Now, so <laughs> yes. I podcast out of my basement, and um, you know, my wife usually goes to bed at around the time that I podcast at around 
between, you know, starting at 10, but she'll get to bed at around 1030. So she gets mad at me too, because she says, I speak very, very loudly. And uh, so the fact that you have young ones and that your wife sent you in the car and you're doing it from your driveway, I think this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) I need to refinish. We're we're in the plans of refinishing my basement so I can have this nice little setup like you have too, Tony. But we're we're, we're not at your uh, stage of the development yet where you've got the finished basement with the studio yet. I'm still working, working my way up to Tony Marinaro status. All right. Okay. Cool. My God. From the so outside on the driveway or like parked inside the garage. I don't have a garage. I'm in my drive, an outdoor driveway. So I'm in my car in the driveway. This, uh, this cars running, fantastic. so it's not cold. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, Tony. I'm, I, this is not the first time I've done this. I had to do a TV hit on NHL Network one time with like EJ Raddick from my. Oh my god, and now it's cutting out. What a disaster! What a disaster! Now, are you on? Oh my god, what a disaster! This is funny though. Are are you on Wi Fi right now? Or are you on data? This is this is a horror show. Like, this is the one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. He's frozen, he's actually, but I'm wondering though, did his screen freeze or is it so cold in Boston? That he actually froze. <laughs> like, he, are, is he a block of ice? Now he was laughing. Now he's back. Look at him. You had, you froze for about 30 seconds. I'm here. And I and I was wondering how, how cold. Look, oh, my God. He's laughing at everything. Oh, my God. This is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life, man. This is unbelievable. Wow. Okay. Let's get the business here. How surprised are you that the Bruins are this good this year? Definitely surprised. I mean, I thought they were going to be a playoff team. You know, I, I, I especially when Krejci and Bergeron were both definitely coming back. You, you know, you knew they were going to be a good team. I, anybody that was going to tell you they were going to be in the running to be like the best regular season team of all time in the NHL, uh, you know, would have been lying. I don't think anybody saw this great uh, kind of Bruins coming. You know, I. It's it's been amazing to watch how good they've been. But like, we start getting down a little. Having He's in his driveway. He's cutting up. That, He's freezing. Uh, what a disaster! What a, because they what have a disaster. Two guys that play twenty five minutes a night, play in all situations, just stud players. <laughs> and you know, Lena Sunday and, and you know, really stepping his game up. When you combine that with the the, the players coming back, Patrice Bergeron, Krejci uh, coming back because partially because Bergeron and Krejci took those one year deals for low money and incentives. Uh, you know, you put it all together. You put the new coach in there that's really speaking to these players and has guys like Jake DeBrusque and other players playing at a higher level than they've ever been at before. And it's just the cocktail for this amazing yeah. combination of, uh, you know, things going right for them and, and rocketing to the top. It, it's It's been fun to watch, I'll admit, because, uh, you know, playing hockey at that high level, no matter what the team is, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Listen, um, last question, I think. Are you sure you're on data? Because I think you're on Wi-Fi. Like, if you go check, I think if you take the Wi-Fi off, you put yourself on data, 
you're not going to freeze up as much. Are you are you on data or are you on Wi-Fi? I'm probably on Wi-Fi. You're on Wi-Fi? Probably. No, told me to go on data, Tony. I, 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 I hear you. Okay, look, uh, I appreciate the effort. Very, value, very valiant effort. Uh, I love the fact that you took the time to come on, even if it going on from in your car your driveway the fact that you're able to do that for me very very awesome but it's it's cutting out a little bit too much one quick word one quick word on head coach jim montgomery yes go for it one quick word on jim montgomery he has been um I, you know, a lot of people in the media, we loved Bruce Cassidy because he was good to us. He's a good quote, like a nice guy, like all that stuff. Obviously a very good hockey coach too. So, you know, I think there was a lot of criticism of the Bruins for getting rid of him in the summertime because of that. But I think looking back on it now, it's clear a couple things. A, uh, the Jim Montgomery and the changes that he's made, which I'll get into in a second, have been exactly what this team needed. And B, there were a lot of players on this Bruins team that hated Bruce Cassidy and did not like playing for him. I mean, it's pretty clear now when you see uh, the way some of those guys are playing and things they're doing now that they did not do before. But on top of that, Jim Montgomery preaching uh, quality over quantity when it comes to shots on net, which was the exact opposite of what Bruce Cassidy uh, preached. He preaches keep the puck on your stick more, make plays. He preaches uh, – he. He has a system where he wants the weak side defenseman in the offensive zone at the faceoff dot, not up by the mm -hmm. blue line. He wants that weak side defenseman all the way down by the net. And they, they scored a goal a couple games ago when Derek Forbert was on the weak side dot and pounced on a rebound right in front of the net. Most defensemen in most systems with most NHL coaches, he's going to be nowhere near the net. So it's super aggressive in the offensive zone. And it's a style that I think the Bruins really like to play, offensively aggressive, really attacking, uh, and playing in the fun zone, as they call it, the offensive zone. And a lot of that is just Jim Montgomery's mentality. He thinks offense first. He was an offensive forward. I think a lot of them have enjoyed playing uh, for him because of that. And beyond mm -hmm. that, I think there's a, there's a team element uh, that he's installed that kind of went away a little bit under Bruce Cassidy, you know. Sometimes uh, Jim Montgomery will start the fourth line uh, instead of just going perfection line every single night to, at the drop of the puck like Bruce Cassidy did. And, and mm -hmm. Montgomery did it the first few games of the regular season, kind of making that statement like this is a different team. This is about everybody top to bottom on the roster. You know, with Bruce Cassidy, uh, the 13th forward, the 7th D could go like a month without playing. Jim Montgomery makes sure that guy plays within a couple of weeks and doesn't just sit up in the press box for two months at a time. And I think all of that stuff helps foster this, like everybody is contributing, everybody is in it together sort of team atmosphere that I think they kind of got away from a little bit uh, the last few years. So you put all, all that stuff together, the, the philosophy, uh, the way he treats the team, the way he sort of leads them. And I think it's got them playing for each other in a different way than they were before and really has bonded them tightly together. And, you know, you, you add that with the installation of a guy like Nick Felino, who's become a significant player this year and uh, is a, a fantastic leader and sort of a great lieutenant for Patrice Bergeron. And it's really made a difference as far as the dressing room goes and sort of the mentality that they have night in and night going, uh, going out mm -hmm. on the ice to do their work.
All right, this is the Joe Haggerty I wanted when I texted you this morning or earlier this afternoon from Boston Hockey <laughs> Now. I think he's on data now, and you just came across crystal clear in the last couple of minutes. So now, by doing so, you put yourself in a bad situation because I told you it was the last question. It's no longer the last question. It's probably going to go on another <laughs> question or two, so get ready. Yeah, I no problem. You know, the Bruins, I, I talked about them earlier today. You know, the longevity, it's 12 years now. They won the Stanley Cup back in 2011. We're in 2023. They're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender this year. They're the best team in the National Hockey League. They not only won the Cup in 2011, they went to two other finals. They lost one in six. They lost one in seven. Uh, they've had three coaches, you know, during that time, Claude Julien, Bruce Cassidy, and now Jim Montgomery. Uh, as much as they won the Cup in 2011, and Claude had them, you know, playing good hockey in the playoffs, Yep. I've never seen them play this good. I mean, I, I give Jim Montgomery a lot of credit because I thought Julian was a good coach in 2011. I thought Bruce Cassidy was a heck of a coach four or five years ago. I still think he's a good coach. But what Montgomery's doing with this team now, I've never seen them play this good. No. I mean, in, in, in those 12 years is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, and it, it's definitely like part of it is definitely Montgomery and what he's brought in. Uh, he definitely deserves part of the credit. There's no question about it. Like, uh, you know, the system that he's preaching and the things that he talks about in the offensive zone, because they already had, you know, pretty good defensive structure, and a lot of that has not changed. But the changes and the tweaks that he's made in the offensive zone and the neutral zone have made a big difference. Uh, to the players and, and, you know, have them as such a high powered offense now. So that that's definitely been a, a difference maker. But like I, I alluded to earlier, um, having Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy, the top of your blue line group, just changes things. And I remember at the end of last year, when you talked to Bruce Cassidy, he was kind of licking his chops at, you know, getting a full season of Lindholm and McAvoy together this year when he thought he was coming back. And you could see the excitement in his eyes talking about the two of them together. It makes the game so much easier at the NHL level if you have two stud defensemen that can play 25 minutes a night, play in all situations. And as you've seen with some of the goals they've scored and the plays they've made recently can be dynamic offensively in addition to being solid, you know, defensively. And, and it really, you know, it, it almost makes it a situation like in Anaheim where uh, when they had Pronger and Niedermeyer and you have these two amazing like number one type defensemen together on the same roster. And then you add to that a forward group that's got star power like they do, you know, obviously has the perfection line guys, brings back David Krejci. And then they're so deep right now, Tony, they have Taylor Hall in the third line. You know, you've got a former Hart Trophy guy, a guy that's a, a star player, number one overall pick, former number one overall pick, and he's on the third line right now. You know, and other teams, what you see is them pull away from other teams in the third period, uh, and you see it night after night after you saw it again uh, tonight uh, because other teams can't match their depth. You know, they just outlast these other teams because they can roll lines and because their defensemen mm -hmm. are topped by these two, like, horses – and they just have things that other teams don't have, and they outlast them every single night. And it's it's a winning combination because they're so deep and they're so good on their roster. And, you know, the only thing that's really going to, I think, sidetrack them, well, there's a couple things, but really the only thing that you look at and say this could sidetrack them is if they get injuries or if the age of some of those players starts to come into effect in the playoffs during a two-month grind, which we've seen at, from Patrice Bergeron and some of the older players before in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, those will kind of be the hurdles to climb. But, 
you know, you have this deep roster and then you put a guy like Linus Olmark, who's been amazing this year, uh, at Vezina trophy level, level goaltending behind a team that's already loaded. And, and like, it's almost impossible to beat them as you can see with the record they've put up. Hampus Lindholm, real deal, huh? Yes. He's uh, like, he, I did not obviously like, I'd be lying if I said I knew he was this good, but he was playing in Anaheim in kind of semi-obscurity, you know, like I, I didn't get to watch him a lot. And I think a lot of Bruins fans weren't sure how good he was when they traded for him last year. Obviously, you know, he was a high first round pick. He's a guy that put up pretty good numbers in Anaheim every year. He seemed to be a frontline defenseman. You say, oh, this is going to add a lot. But then you see him play every night and he makes a lot of offensive plays. He's a very skilled offensive defenseman and he's a defensive horse. He's a guy that kills penalties. He's a guy that, you know, will hold the other team's best players down. And basically is is like another Charlie McAvoy. You know, they put yeah. you, you put two Norris Trophy type level defensemen at the top of their defenseman group, and it changes things. It makes them one of the best defenseman cores in the entire league, which they did not have before. It was kind of like Charlie McAvoy and mm -hmm. everybody else. Now they've got this fantastic set of personnel headed by you know those two studs at the top, and it, it, yeah. that absolutely no no doubt it changes things when you have two defensemen that good at the top. Sometimes the best team in hockey ends up winning the Stanley Cup in the playoffs. Sometimes the best team in hockey during the regular season does not do well in the playoffs. Sometimes they win a couple of rounds. Sometimes they get upset in round number one. But seeing the Bruins' dominance thus far in the regular season, you'd have to think that if they can go out and get like another top six or like another top defenseman, and it's going to cost them you know, a first round pick or there, it's going to cost them a big prospect. They got to go for it because yeah, I know we've talked about, you know, that they've, they've had this longevity for 12 years, but sooner or later it's, it's going to end, right? Like you get that feeling that if the opportunity presents itself, that they will give up a big time prospect or they'll give up a big time draft pick to, to put them over the top. Well, I, I mean, I get the sense, and I've had the sense all year, that this is it for Patrice Bergeron, you know, that he may not be coming back after this year. Um, and I think because of that, and, and David Krejci uh, potentially too, and I think because of that, there is a strong, strong movement to go all in and do as much They're as they in, can yeah. to win for Bergeron on his way out and to make sure he goes out in winning style. And I think that is absolutely true the mentality that you're talking about at the trade deadline but like the question becomes tony like yeah maybe they give up a first round pick yeah maybe they you know fabian lysel who's their top prospect you know enters into discussions if they were really gonna like go for a stud player to bring in but they they also have salary cap issues that i don't know that they're going to be able to afford a lot of these players mm -hmm. and, and i think that is going to play into it as much as anything else as much as giving up the assets. And, and I'll be honest with you, Tony, watching this team right now, I don't think they need a top six forward. I, I absolutely don't. Jake DeBrusque is going to come back from injury and everybody's going to slot back in. And it's an incredibly deep team already. I, they don't need like a Patrick Kane kind of player. Obviously, it'd be great if they could have him, but I don't think they even need that. Honestly, like the only thing I see with this team is they make sure they have to have some uh, defensive depth and they have to have a player that's a real hard-nosed, sort of mean, like, experienced veteran guy that will, like, throw the body around, block shots, kill penalties, uh, you know, intimidate the other team, stand up for his teammates, like, and also be insurance in, case Brandon, Carlo, in case Brandon Carlo gets hurt, in case Charlie McAvoy 
fight against Garrett, you know, in case some of the guys that, that suffer injuries a lot. Uh, Luke Shen is a guy that they, they've had interest in in Vancouver. I think he's yeah, a perfect yeah. fit. And $800,000 on the salary cap. You know, that's the kind of guy that's going to fit in yeah. all kinds of different ways for the team. And he's won the cup a couple of times in Tampa. Like, I think that guy makes a lot of sense. And that's the kind of move they're going to yeah, make. Yeah, you're probably. I don't necessarily right. see them. I don't necessarily see them making like this huge move. Obviously, Bo Horvat makes a lot of sense because they're going to need a young center to take over because Bergeron and Krejci are on their way out. But I don't think they can make that kind of move this year. Yeah. I just don't, especially when they haven't signed David Bosternak yet. When you were talking about a guy that defends his teammates and a leader and all that stuff, you know, I, I thought you were talking about Milan Lucic, but then you started talking about, and obviously Lucic makes way too much money, right? But yeah. uh, but uh, then you started talking about defense, and then you brought up Luke Shen's name. Anyway, we're going to keep an eye on it, and you know that, uh, you know, in Montreal, we, we love to watch what the Bruins are doing, and we'd like nothing better than for them to choke in the playoffs. So on that note... <laughs> I was going to say, you'd like nothing better than to see them uh, win another cup and uh, parade it right through Boston. Right, oh, Tony? my God. But we, we do thank you for uh, for beating Montreal tonight and uh, Montreal getting closer to the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. So uh, this is your year, hopefully only for the regular season. And uh, in four or five years from now, I, I think the Canadians will be able to give you guys a run. Hey, well, thanks, thanks for hey, going thanks. outside. Tony, thank Patrice Bergeron for burying the dagger into the Habs tonight. The old yeah, Quebec boy did it to his fellow Quebecois. You're you're right about that. Thanks for going outside. Thanks <laughs> you for going it. in your car. And thanks for taking yourself off of Wi-Fi and putting yourself on data at a point where I was just uh <laughs> I said this is a, is this a joke or what? You're a good man. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, now I know the system. I know what you need, Tony. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of it next time. Take it you're, easy. You're, you're a good man. Take care. All right, there you have it. Joe Haggerty, Boston hockey now. Uh follow him. Um, he's a good follow on Twitter as well. And uh, you can read his stuff. He does uh, does a really good job. All right, we'll get to a couple of more questions. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, not before we get to maybe a couple of calls. You called. You called. Presented by Playground. Brought to you by Playground, your premier gaming destination located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal, one 7425 It's a toll-free number. That's right. It's absolutely free. Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana are back in master control, so you place that call right now. Without further ado, we go to the full lines, and who do we have here? Hello? Marco in Nova Scotia. Yes. How are yes. you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. Whenever you're ready. Oh, uh, yeah. I was just saying uh, I like uh, watching uh, the last two games that the Montreal played there with uh, Toronto and uh, tonight there. I find there's a big difference between uh, the last two games and since November there, we'll say, with all the veterans and whatnot. Too. Yeah. They're starting to play a better team game, eh? Well, I mean, it, it's very exciting. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen him go back and forth like that on the ice, you know, in a while. We'll say, listen, November, we'll say, right, you know, since, since Sean Monaghan got uh, injured there. So, you know, I find that they play very well. And anyway, I also want to thank you for your uh, podcast. I just started listening it, like watching oh. it this year. Also, uh, you know, I like uh, the, the interviews you have with George Larac and Chris Nyland and... <laughs> I find it very informative. Marco, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I can tell you that I'm really loving doing it. 
And I'm going to tell you this, with every game that I watch the Canadians play, I'm more and more convinced that within a couple of years, they're going to be really good. And I'm hoping I, I, that Marty St. Louis will be here to, to, to basically uh, see the fruits of his labor, and I believe he will be. I really believe that he will be. Like, you talked about the last two games. Considering the injuries they have, considering they know they're not going to make the playoffs, you know it, I know it, they know it, everybody knows it. They're playing so well, you know? They're really playing well. They're they're competing, you know? And in the end, it's just it's a lack of talent and it's a lack of, lack of depth, but they hang with good teams and they beat some good teams. It's It's fun to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's incredible. And right now, uh, even whatever's left over, the veterans that are playing right now, I I haven't seen them play like this all season. And all of a sudden, the last two games, it's like, wow, right? I mean, <laughs> it's pretty impressive to watch. Anyway, it's pretty, you know. I, I just have one question for you there, Tony. What do you think yeah. of Pierre-Luc Dubois coming to Montreal? Um. I'd obviously take him on my team. There's no doubt about it. If they would, it's obviously going to speed up the whole rebuilding process. But once again, what's the price to pay? So he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year, and he says to Winnipeg, let's just say, I'm only going to sign a one-year deal because that's it. So they see the writing on the wall, and they think he's going to be gone. So they're going to try and trade him. But, you know, they know how badly Montreal would want him you'd have to think there's a pretty big price to pay. I mean, what's the most you'd be willing to pay? What's the biggest price you'd pay? True. <laughs> you know, and, and what's, what's the best, what's the yeah. biggest price you'd pay for him? A guy like that, you almost have to give a first round pick and a, you know, probably a $10 million a year or something, or and maybe I'm, you know, yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm lowballing. I don't know. Like, like. Well, I, I'm look. Hard. I'm not. I'm not giving Pierre Luc Dubois ten million dollars a year. I mean, at ten million dollars a year, uh, I I don't know. Like, he, he's a good player. He's having a career year thus far. Um, yeah. You know, based on everything we hear, he'd like to play here, but it's going to take a lot to get Pierre Luc Dubois. But at the end of the day, I'm not giving him that money. Thank you so much for your call, Marco. I appreciate it. Uh, rules Christopher Francois says fire St. Louis and his best friend Burroughs. Uh, I'm not firing Marty St. Louis. I did. Look at what Marty St. Louis is doing with what he has. Look at what Marty St. Louis is doing with what he has. I am not firing Marty St. Louis. 1 888 585 It is a toll free number. Now we're starting to rock and roll. Georgia's sound was not great tonight. And then Joe Haggerty. For about four or five minutes, or maybe even more, uh, it looked like he had it on Wi-Fi instead of data. But we're able to get this whole thing back on track here. Thank God. One eight 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 five eight five six. One eight 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 five eight five seven four two five. We'll get to your calls and or get to your texts or your questions or your messages. And if you're watching right now on YouTube Live or Facebook Live or Twitter Live, hit the like button. Share the Facebook with your friends. Tell your friends about the YouTube. If you're not fall, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, subscribe now. It's absolutely free, and uh, we're we're loving the fact that we're growing uh, the YouTube channel with each and every day. If you can leave us a five star review, that would be absolutely awesome. You can do so on Google, Apple, and Spotify. You know, someone being on Wi Fi instead of data that doesn't happen all the time, right? George not having great sign. Please don't hold it against me. 
I will promise you this. I will personally deliver a microphone to George in the next week. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you right now, I will deliver it to him on Monday. Monday, I will deliver him, personally deliver him a microphone. At that point, though, he's probably going to have to hook it up to his computer or whatever it is. not going to work off his phone. Uh, 1-888-585-7425. 1-888-585-7425. Or a question or a message. Let's go, Sammy. And then yellow back in master control. Let's go. Rest night for Jack Guy. Just over 10 minutes of ice time. At one point, my buddy called me. He goes, is he hurt? I said, no. He, they probably thought he was maybe going to get exposed because of a matchup or whatever it was. There was a lot of talent on the other side. And uh, maybe they thought that he was probably going to get carried away, maybe pick up a penalty in what was a game that they were doing well in. I don't know. I can't explain the amount of minutes. And Yellow and Sam, if you find something over the wire, maybe something that was said after the game to explain it, you can let me know. That would be great because, of course, there's only so many things I can do at once. Um, you're going to cause maritable, maritable prob- marital problems with that mic. No, I won't. Uh, that is expensive. I hope he'll be okay. We'll take care of it. Uh, others coming in. Tony is sick. This coming in from Mike. Thank you. Tony, I dare you to threaten George to give him a beating lovingly, of course. No, I'm not threatening him because he'd absolutely annihilate. He'd, he'd break me in half. Um, Marty St. Louis will have to fire at least two of his assistants in the summer if he hopes to carry on. I don't believe that to be true. Uh, is it the most experienced staff if they were a competitor, like a Stanley Cup competitor, a contender? No, but they're not that yet. Um, I like this game tonight. Uh, his wife will get mad if he brings it inside is what I meant. This No, I'm well, I'm talking about delivering a mic to George Larac, not delivering a mic to Joe Haggerty. Um, others coming in. I love this podcast. Thank you. Gallagher doesn't have the talent like Marchand. Obviously not. I don't know too many players who do. Brad Marchand is one of and has been for the last several, several years. It doesn't matter whose list. He's a top 20 player in hockey, and he's better than that on probably most people's lists. Um, other questions coming in? Sammy Nanello. Do you think Gallagher can retool and redefine his career a la Marchand? Marshawn took off at a later age. Would be nice to see Gallagher do the same. I, I don't think he can. I mean, he can try and become a more complete hockey player. Yes. I mean, that usually happens when you're probably not the same offensive player you were before. But I don't think we can, with all due respect, I don't think we can put Gallagher and Marshawn in the same sentence. Marshawn is two other categories. You know, at their best, both at their best, Marshawn's two other categories. He's just another level and then another level on top of that. But everyone loves Brendan Gallagher. Others. We're going to take two more. Do you like the impact of the Laval players? Yes, I think Marty St. Louis did a good job by actually praising uh, J.F. Hool the other day because when the players come up, it looks like they're ready to play and they give everything they can. The one thing they really preach in Laval is hard work. And when Richard comes up, when Harvey Pinar comes up, uh, those guys, especially Belzil, they work very hard. Yelonen, you see some good hockey sense, but he doesn't quite work as hard like the other guys. Last call of the night. Last call of the night. Simon is in Nova Scotia. What's going on? Simon, are you there? Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? 
Not too bad. Uh, like to say, uh, it's an honor to talk to you there, Tony. Thank you very uh, much. The pleasure is all mine. I, I love the podcast. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Thank you very much. Uh, no problem. Uh, I got to say, what a bunch of games that they've been winning. It's been really entertaining. You know, uh, I'm really ex- ecstatic about what's going on with the Montreal Canadiens now. They're starting to really click well and really have a lot of team synergy, I find. They're, um, they got guys that are lined up with injury. And some of the yeah. guys that are there have an opportunity right now uh, that they probably didn't have. Like Montembeau's breathing easier. He's got a better opportunity. Allen's hurt. Raphael RV Pinard is here. He wants to make a great impression. He wants to stay. Belzil is here. He wants to make a great impression. Yolonen is here. He wants to make a great impression. Uh, you know, there's 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 guys that want to finish the season at the very least in Montreal. There's no doubt about it. I like the way I, Justin Barron's been playing too, by the way. Oh, it's it's insane how they've been playing together. And uh like I like I said before, uh like I said, they have great synergy. But I think that Montembeau, he is a good goaltender, don't get me wrong. But I think they're going to play him too much and he could choke under pressure. I could be completely wrong, but I, I he, if they play him like they did with Price, he could get injured and he could get hurt in the long run. And it could happen to Montembeau what happened to Price. Uh, that's my own opinion. I could be completely wrong. I but, actually, um, uh, hey, uh, I have something for you. I'm going to see if I can bring this up as I grab my phone, okay? So uh, tonight, I I tweeted out, I put up a poll question as I was watching Samuel Montembeau do his thing. I actually, you know, uh, jokingly said that if he keeps this up, the World Anti-Doping Agency is going to come and they're going to ask him to pee in a cup at the end of the game because this guy's just on another level right now. Uh, But, um, okay. Uh, about three hours ago, I, I, uh, I wrote, which former Habs goalie does Samuel Montembeau most remind you of or will be similar to going forward? Mathieu Gadon. I, I probably should have put Jocelyn Thibault. I kind of regret that. But Thibault was like, that was the Patrick Waugh years. Like, that was the late 90s. So I didn't want to go back too long, right? Too much. Maybe I could have put, yeah. Jose, maybe I could have put Jose Theodore. But anyway, I put Mathieu Gadon, Cristobal Huet, Yaroslav Alak, or others, and the others, you write your reply, okay? So some others came in. Uh, David Abisher comes up. Uh, Mark Denis came up. Jose Theodore came up. Peter Budai, Pat Jablonski, Jose Theodore, Jeff Hackett, Andy Moog, Thibault Sevigny, uh, David Abisher, Jeff Hackett, Steve Penny, uh, the list goes on and on. Bunny LaRock came up a couple of times. Tebow again. And uh, Andre Rassico. Wow. Uh, but it's uh, Cristobal Huet leading the way at 52%. Um, I've received over 1,600 votes in less than three hours' time. So, you know, and 13,000 views. I'm curious to see when this poll question closes in about 21 hours' time, how many votes and who's going to be leading the way. But for now, it looks like Cristobal Huet is going to be the one that most people seem to think that Samuel Montembeau resembles. All right. 
There you have it. Okay. Uh, can I, before you hang up, uh, I'd like yeah. to ask one question for you, Tony. Sure. If you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, what do you think uh, they should pay Cole Caulfield? In my opinion, I think they should go with a three-year, $5.5 million contract for now mm-hmm. and for, for his little extension and see what he does after three years. What do you think they should pay him for? Should they sign him for a long-term? So I got a question. I got an answer. Before I answer it, I have a question for you. What happens at the end of those three years if Caulfield, who's a restricted free agent at the end of those three years, renews for just one year? Uh, I find that players that get a big contract, I'm not saying Caulfield will do this, but I find players that get a big contract, they seem to not want to play afterwards. I'm not saying Caulfield will do I, that. No, I hear you. Are you happy with Suzuki so far since signing that big contract? Suzuki, he's still got some work to do. He's getting better. Well, everyone's got work to do at 22. No. I mean, I'm 50 and I have work to do in this in this field. Right. All right. Uh, that's all I... No, really no, no. It's, it's, a great, it's a great question. I don't even know if I have an answer. The only thing was my question to you was... If you yeah. give Caulfield a three-year deal, and by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if he signs for three years, okay? I really would not be surprised yeah. if he signs for three years. But if you give him a three-year deal and you have this rebuild plan, and the plan, by the time you put everything in motion and you execute everything and you are where you want to be five or six years down the line, what happens if you give Caulfield a three-year deal and then after that, his next contract, he only wants to sign one year? Then he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. It's true though, but they could. I, I I know you. We all love Caulfield, but it could happen. They could sign him for one year and do a big blockbuster trade. It may not happen, but it could. It could happen. But this is yeah. But but hold years. on a second. You know, so let's just say they sign him to a three-year deal, and then he's a restricted free agent, and then they sign him to a one-year deal, and then you say they could do a blockbuster trade. You know what the problem with that is? Is that everyone in the oh. National Hockey League? knows that if you're trading Cole Caulfield, it's because you know that he's not going to resign with you. And what guarantee does the team that wants to trade for him going to have that he's going to end up signing with them? So you might, you might be better off giving him an eight-year max deal and more money than you ever wanted to give him because at least you know he'll be here for that long. And then your rebuild plan, you can go away, you can go ahead with it, and if it takes you five years or six years or seven years to be that Stanley Cup team, he'll still be here. But if you give him three years, the next year he's gone. Thanks so much. It's a great question. Everyone is really anxious to see the way it's going to play out. Um, I, I think it's going to be a There's a no doubt about it. But look, Cole Caulfield is... On pace, was on pace to score 50 goals the first time any Montreal Canadian did it since Stefan Richer in the early 90s. He is the best pure sniper the Montreal Canadiens have had since Guy Lafleur. And, um, you know, he didn't do what he did by fluke. Those are players yeah. you, you don't want to trade. I mean, we're talking about Cole Caulfield is the biggest fan favorite in Montreal since P.K. Subban. Or, 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 or the uh, biggest fan favorite since Carey Price. And then Carey Price, you know, or Price or Subban. He's like the biggest fan favorite since those players. I don't think that's one of, you know, 
I don't think he's a player you want to trade, but stranger things have happened. Hey, thanks so much for the phone call. It's 11:10. We went a little bit overtime. We know that we there was some glitches tonight. Unfortunately, not on our end, so there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, but uh, you know, hopefully, uh, on the other ends, it'll be corrected. And uh, it looked like it was corrected there late, you know, uh, as we went on there. So, with that said, thanks everyone for watching. The Canadians lose to the Boston Bruins. Two goals by Kirby Doc. One goal and three assists for David Pasternak. Samuel Montembeau was good again. A good effort for the Canadians who lost 4-2. Patrice Bergeron scored the game-winning goal with less than three minutes in regulation. And then David Pasternak sealed the deal with an empty net goal. The Canadians lose to the best team in the National Hockey League, but a lot of people are pretty happy, even though it was the Bruins. Why? Because if that's the way they're going to lose with an honorable, honest effort like that where they were competitive and they were tied with less than three minutes to go in the hockey game, a lot of people will take that. Once again, if you love the podcast, message sick, like it, share it, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and leave us a five-star review if you can on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Tomorrow night, off night for the Canadians, the host of the Detroit Red Wings on Thursday. Tomorrow night, same time, same place, 10 p.m. Eastern. Have a sick night. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.